This morning, we're launching a new series called Today's Real Heroes. Our national correspondent, Natalie Morales, is here with an unforgettable pair, Natalie. And it's a story you have to see to believe. Our real heroes today are Dick and Rick Hoyt, better known as Team Hoyt. And if you haven't heard of them yet, be prepared. They're almost legends in their own right, and you'll see right now why they are heroes to so many. This is one of the greatest love stories of all time. A story of a father who climbs mountains and runs to the ends of the earth and back to give his son a better life. A life that transcends the limitations of his body. Rick Hoyt's fight started at birth 44 years ago when the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. He looked beautiful and he was strong and he was laying on his stomach and I thought he was doing push-ups. But what it was, he was having spasms. The doctors told Dick and Judy Hoyt that their son had cerebral palsy and would never be able to walk or talk. They said, forget Rick, put him away, put him in an institution. He's going to be nothing but a vegetable for the rest of his life. And we said, no, we're not going to put Rick away. We're going to bring Rick home and bring him up like any other child. So when the Hoyt family went to the beach for a swim, Rick went too. He'd sink down to the bottom and he'd look up and start laughing. He played street hockey. We'd just get a stick and push him in a chair and hold a stick for him. We did everything with him that we did with the other two boys. And Rick responded. When you look in his eyes, and he was looking right at you, and you could tell that he understood everything they were talking about. But it wasn't until he was 12 when Rick found his voice, called the Hope Machine, a computer system created by a team of Tufts engineers. Hopefully people will look at me as an intelligent person and look past my disabilities. He could tell us exactly what he wanted, how he felt, you know, where he wanted to go. And it, it got him to go to school and he got to be able to talk to a lot of other people. It was at high school where Rick first learned of a five-mile charity road race for a paralyzed teenager. And he said, Dad, I have to do something for him. I want to let him know that life goes on. For Dick, who wasn't a runner, it was a call to action as a father. Rick told me, he said, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like my disability disappears. And that was all Dick needed to hear. Now, at the age of 66 and 44, Dick and Rick have run 950 races, 60 marathons, including their 25th Boston Marathon this year. They even started doing triathlons, competing in six Ironmans, the ultimate test of strength and endurance. All the way, Dick pulls, pushes, and carries Rick's 110-pound frame over the course of the 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, and 26.2-mile run. So on this day, we're going for a leisurely stroll. This is a slower pace than you two normally go, right? Oh, this is a nice pace, too. <laughs> it's a good break. But they don't slow down for long. As long as we're still having fun, we're enjoying it, and we're healthy, we're going to continue doing it. But it's Rick's achievements on the sidelines that are most awe-inspiring. I may be disabled, but I live a very fulfilling life. Not only did Rick graduate from high school, but also from college, earning his degree from Boston University. And he now lives in his own apartment. I have shown to disabled people that they don't have to sit back and watch the world go by. 
They too can go to school, get a job and be included in everyday life. The Hoyt's motto is simply, you can. And they've made so many believe anything is possible. He's competing in road races, he's competing in triathlons. And all of a sudden, all of these videos are popping up on us. And people are emailing around the world, and it, it's just a great feeling. I read them an email they recently received, one of thousands, from a perfect stranger. I write this because I'm a father, and to my shame, I have been nothing like you, Dick. I have been selfish more than I have been selfless. I'm not raising my son the way I had intended to raise him. And up to this point, you could say, I have failed. But yesterday, in a moment's time, I was changed. My heart was broken when I saw how much you must love your son to put yourself through such agony that he might experience the thrill of the race. Yesterday, it became less about me and more about being my children's father. I thank you, sir. You hear this over and over again. Yes, yeah. It, it clearly is, it touches you every time. It really does, yeah. But you, you're more than a father. I mean, you are a hero to so many. Mm. And most importantly, you're a hero to, to Rick. I just think I'm, I'm myself and I just love my family. And I just want to be the very best father I can be. <laughs> wow, what a video. I thanked Phil not for showing that because it makes me cry every time. Um, so why don't you just turn to the person next to you... And first of all, say hello and see how they're doing. Um, and second thing I want you to do um, is I want you to say one thing that you think that your age generation does or something that you think your age generation is like, okay? Okay, brilliant. Let's draw those discussions to a close. Now, I'm not going to stand here and ask you how old you are and what generation you put yourself in. Do not panic. Um, but this morning, I'm just going to share a really short message for us um, about going the distance. Now, I have to say this disclaimer. Please forgive the font and the capitals and the non-capitals on this. Some sort of formatting things happen, and my teacher inside of me is struggling with it. So I don't want you to judge me this morning for that. So my disclaimer. Um, so this morning, I'm going to be can- continuing on the More Than Gold series and talking about going the distance. And I think that video was just a great starter to see what it really is like to go the distance for that dad. 
Um, so I'm going to talk and share some facts about this current generation and also other generations. Um, and you might sit there and go, yeah, that's definitely me. But you also might sit there and go, that's absolutely not me. I'd be quite intrigued. Okay. Oh, Deji. We did think this might happen. There we go. Deji, it's over to you. I don't think the clicker's working. Okay, fantastic. So... Gen Z, as you can see, is the ages between around about 1997 and 2012, okay? So here are a few facts. 62% of Gen Zers will not use an app or a website that is too slow to load. If it's too slow to load, they are off it, okay? Over half of Generation Z say that they don't actually want to work for others, but instead they want to work for themselves and start their own business, 80% of Gen Z aspire to work with cutting-edge technology. That's the only thing they want to work with in their day-to-day job. 70% say that salary for them is a top motivator. So 70% say when they go into a job, salary is a top motivator. And Gen Zers have an attention span of around eight seconds. Wow. Wow. That is why they are the generation that flicks through social media. Eight seconds. But I don't want you to sit here this morning, if you're not in that generation, and think, honestly, that generation. Because Gen Z are amazing. I'm passionate. That's why I work in secondary school and work with them. They are passionate about race, equality, the environment, healthcare. There's so many things that this generation are amazing for. But this is just some statistics. Okay, so let's move on. We've got baby boomers. So, 1946 to 1964, baby boomers are known to be, there we go, someone's proud to be that age this morning. Love that. Optimistic, I knew you'd love that. Hardworking, come on, but aren't afraid to call it quits. If something's not right, you're not afraid to call it quits. And are super competitive. No, not you, Maureen. Not you. Um, Brilliant. Gen X, okay, so 1964 to 1980. Generation X is known to be resourceful, we love that, logical thinkers and good problem solvers. Duncan, is that, Duncan's like, yes. Do you know what, if I've done nothing else this morning, I've made some of you go away feeling good about yourselves, haven't I? So that's great. Um, And millennials, that's me. So Gen Y... So, um, between 1981 and 1996, millennials are known to be confident, curious, and we're not afraid to question when we don't think things are right. Yes, it is, Philippe. That is right. Um, Someone has once said that for Generation Y, all the money that they have that should have gone on saving for a house has actually gone on buying avocado toast at the cafe. And I would possibly agree. Um, So... It's really interesting, isn't it, to see the differences in our generations and the differences um, between us all. But Generation Z, the statistics that I read at the start, now that is the current world that we're living in. That is this current world, that is what we're living in. And as you can see from those statistics, the current world that we're living in is very results-centred. We're very results-focused. We want things here, we want them now. And you might not be in Generation Z, but because we're living in this world, that is what this world is pushing on us at the minute. 
And I smiled when I was given this topic. Why? Uh, Because God definitely has a sense of humour because I struggle not to be very results focused. I love ticking things off my to-do list. Uh, My team at work often laugh at me and wonder what it's like to be in my million um, and one mile hour brain that I want things done, I want things done now and I'm very much about results, ticking things off and moving on. Isaac will also tell you that I'll come up with an idea, a project. I want to paint this room. I want to paint that wall green. So I go to B&Q, I get the paint, I come back, the sheets are on the floor, the roller's out. I'm there. I've dragged Isaac into it. Ten minutes in, I'm bored. Because I can't see that the wall isn't painted yet. And then Isaac says, the dreaded line, I think it needs three coats. Well, I'm done. I'm moving on. That is what I am like as a person. So writing this message for this morning challenged me and hopefully it will help and challenge you too. And sometimes um, our walk with God is a little bit like that. Sometimes our walk with God, when we don't see results straight away, when we don't see an answer to prayer straight away, when we don't feel his presence straight away, we move on. And just think about what we can miss if we just move on. And we need to remember this, church. That we weren't created for the one-off events, we weren't created for the one-off encounters, but we were created to go the distance. That's what we were created for. Now, I don't know if you remember when you were younger, those bands that said push. Does anyone remember that? Pray until something happens. They used to be WJD, what would Jesus do? I used to love those. At a Christian conference center, my arm used to be covered in them. And pray until something happens. I used to wear that band with pride, but Actually, what does that look like in reality? What does it look like to pray until something happens? And then more. Pray until something happens and then continue. What does that actually look like? Do we actually sit back quite a lot and say, yeah, do you know what? I think that's enough. I've prayed enough. I've prayed for that person. Like I said, I would. I prayed once. I've spent enough time with God. I'm so busy that I think he'll be okay with that. When do we say, I think that's enough? At school, does anyone remember the bleep test? Anyone remember the bleep test in PE? Phil, do you not remember the bleep test? Is is that a bit too young for you? (laughs) The bleep test. Oh, the bleep test. When the PE teachers used to come in and say, today we're doing the bleep test. Oh, my heart. I used to hate it. Now, me and Isaac were talking a few months ago. I don't know how we got onto the topic of talking about the bleep test and how very different we are. I would always go in on the bleep test. I would chat to my friends and we would all agree that we would keep running till 3.0 so that we could sit out and chat for the rest of the PE lesson. And we did. I was listening to Isaac and Isaac was so very different to me. Isaac kept running, 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 running. He was, he was one of those boys in school. Running, running, running until the very last beep came and he won. And I wish I was like that, but I wasn't. And do you know what? Isaac saw so many better results from running that distance, from running until the last bleep, that I never got that feeling of that satisfaction. Now let's go back to the beginning for a second. Genesis 1 verse 3. should be on the screen. Read it from there. Genesis 1 verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Just imagine if God stopped there. 
Just imagine if he looked at day one creation and he says it there, it was good. And imagine if he stopped. Imagine if he said, that's enough. Well, we wouldn't be sitting here at Encounter Church this morning. Look at what God went on to make for us. Because he didn't just stop at day one and say it is good. He continued. And what an example that is for us today. Billy Graham, he is one of my inspirations. He started You For Christ. I used to work for You For Christ, as did film. He is one of my inspirations. And I was thinking, imagine if Billy Graham did one rally and he saw hundreds of lives change, hundreds of lives came forward, gave their life to Christ. And imagine if he thought, yeah, that's good. I think I'm done. Lord, I've extended your kingdom. I'm done there. But he didn't. 55 years of ministry, he preached the message to more than 215 million people in over 185 countries because he didn't just stop there. He didn't just say, that's enough, but he carried on. He pushed through barriers and challenges. He went the distance and the lives that were changed. My grandma was, um, gave her life to Christ at a rally of Billy Gray. And I'm sure that some of you in here know people in your families as well. I can see some nods that knew someone. And so I asked today, Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes. How can we this morning, church, push forward and be consistent? How can we be consistent in our faith? How can we persevere? Because life does bring its challenges. Let's not lie. Maybe we're too busy. We can often say, I'm busy, because we are. Life is busy. Maybe we come distracted really easily. That's me. I know that's me. Maybe right now we're prioritizing other things. Are we driven by the moments, those precious moments with the Holy Spirit on a Sunday that actually we're not bothered about having them in the week? Are we about quick results? If we can't see a quick result, then we move on. Are we impatient? Do we give up easily? Because God wants all of us. And think, how precious are those moments and those experiences that we have with God? Can you imagine if life was full of so many more of those? Just imagine if our lives were full of so many more of those, and they can be. A daily rhythm with God truly, truly at the centre. In Philippians 3 verse 14, Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says this, I press on to reach the end of the race. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We press on. Just imagine what we could see, what we could experience if we pressed on. I, um, quite a few years back, really wanted the gift of tongues. And I spoke to my friend about it, and she was like, come on then, Em, let's practice, let's ask God, let's keep praying. And I did, and I did, and I did, and nothing was coming. And I thought, oh, come on, Lord, I really want this gift. I really want to stand there and speak out your praises in tongues. And I kept pressing on, I kept pressing on, and nothing was happening. And then I went to a Christian conference, and someone that I knew relatively well, but not, not that close with, they just came up to me, they tapped me in the middle of worship, and they said, Emily... My wife's been going through something really quite difficult lately, and I want you to come and pray for her. I want you to pray for her, and I want you to see what word God gives you. Oh, my word. That was stressful, because I was thinking, Lord, if I get this wrong, and I don't hear from you, and I say something, and it's wrong, what if their life takes a different course? All these thoughts are going through my head. But I said, Lord, you need to take over now, because I've got nothing. 
So I prayed for this lady and I did. I felt as, as though I had a word from God. I shared this word with her and quite clearly it was from the Lord. It was an amazing moment. I turned around, I continued to worship, and out of nowhere, I can't describe it, these words just started flooding out of my mouth, and I couldn't stop them. And I was there speaking in the spirit, in the tongues. And that was because I continued and I pressed on. And I'm not saying that I've got loads and loads and loads of stories from my life that are like that. Because as I said to you, sometimes I can be too results-driven. If I don't see something straight away, I move on. I was in Primark not too long ago. Sorry for those of you who don't like Primark or shopping. Maybe I shouldn't have named the name. Um, and um, my shoulder was really, really hurting. And I could have just ignored it and left it. And I said it to my sister. And she said, well, Emily, let me pray for you right now in the middle of the shop. Okay. So she prayed for me. And it didn't really feel any better. And she could have moved on. We were standing there by the home section. People probably thought we were quite weird. And then she said, well, let's pray again. And she prayed, and it felt a little bit better. And then she said, let's pray again. And it really challenged me, because I thought, would I do that? Would I pray for someone in the middle of the shop, and if I didn't get an answer to pray, and if I didn't see healing, would I move on? Would I walk away? So, I said it was a short message, and I've stuck to that. But what next? Hopefully... There's some things that we can take away when we're thinking about perseverance, when we're thinking about going the distance. So we need to hold unswervingly to the hope that we have. We need to remember that we have a hope in Christ Jesus and we need to hold on to that when we're trying to go the distance. We need to know the goal and intend to achieve it. It's one thing just writing down a goal, but actually one that we intend to achieve. And a goal that God wants us to achieve, not just our own thinking, a goal that's pleasing to him. We need to spur one another on and encourage one another. This walk can be so difficult sometimes and we need to encourage one another to keep pressing on, to keep going the distance, even when the going gets tough. And we need to acknowledge the encounters, the experiences that we have. And we need to have a healthy and a positive mindset, one that's not based on feelings, one that's not disheartened easily if we don't see what we want to see. We need to think about our mindset. And we need to know that whatever the situation, the outcome or the experience, that God truly does have the final say, doesn't he? That even if it's not the answer that we want, it's not the answer to prayer, it's not the outcome that we perhaps wanted, that God has the final say and he does know what's best. In Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, it says, He will never leave nor forsake us. And on this journey of perseverance, on this journey when we're pushing forward, pray until something happens and then carry on. Pray until something happens and then carry on. He will never leave us nor will he forsake us. So let me finish with these words this morning, church. In Jude 1 verses 24, it says this, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, I'll say that again, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. He will keep you from stumbling. He will keep you from stumbling. So let's not give up on this journey. Pray until something happens and then continue. Let's persevere. Let me pray this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. 
Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that we weren't created for one-off moments with you, but we were created to go the distance. And I ask right now that you plant something on every single one of our hearts, every single one of our hearts right now in this building. Plant something, Lord, where you want us to go the distance. Maybe we've given up a long time ago. Maybe we've said it's enough. Maybe we've not seen a result and we've moved on. Lord, I ask right now by your Holy Spirit that you plant that in our heart, Lord. That you encourage us to keep pressing on, to keep running the race. Because you know what goes before us, Father God. And I ask, Jesus, that you give us strength, Father. That you give us strength like no other to continue in this journey. That we can trust in you, Jesus, because we don't know what tomorrow holds, but you do. And so we ask, Lord, whatever it is right now in our lives that you're prompting in our hearts, let us persevere, let us not give up. Lord, let us pray until something happens and then continue. And I truly ask that of you now, Father, that you would challenge us and you would speak to us as we leave this building this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're just going to finish on watching the video that we did earlier. And it's just another reminder to us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. To my knees, will I fall? Will I sing hard? 
I can only imagine 